0: Hello and welcome to the vlogging pod. Tonight we are joined by romantic fantasy author Kim Alexandra. Hello Kim. Hello ah. I love it. Thank you so much for
1: having
0: me here. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Now, we spoke just a few minutes prior. I'm going to take this bracelet up because it is dangling on my table. That's driving me nuts. Okay, so there we go. Um, <laughs> We were just talking. I didn't have it in my notes, but since you mentioned it, um, you have a little experience of doing what I'm doing. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: I do. I actually spent most of my career behind a microphone. I started with records, if you can believe that, as a disc jockey. <laughs> and and uh, I, my last job was at Sirius XM Book Radio. I was one of the co-hosts. So yeah, I produced uh, author interviews for like five or six years, talked to hundreds if not thousands of authors, nice. and now I'm on the other side of the microphone, and it's very exciting. I've been writing full time uh, since I left there, so that was about seven or eight years ago.
0: Nice. How many books have you accomplished within that time?
1: Um, I, book number seven comes out January 25th.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Now, you, you actually have been more into writing long before that. Um, because what I understand is when your youth, you used to write stories about the backyard animals.
1: <laughs> I did. I think my first one was, uh, about, uh, baby fawn, a deer walking around in the forest. Um, it was, yeah, that was like six years old or something. So that's, that's, that was my first love was writing. Right. That, Absolutely.
0: I, th- I think that happens for a lot of us. I think we're just kind of born into it or we get introduced And we can't get enough of it.
1: Yeah, I think that's it's not something that you can go, well, I'm tired of this. I'm not going to do it anymore. (laughs) It's always there in the back of your mind.
0: Right. So we know your inspiration of writing has hit you at a very young age. But when exactly did you find that your character started to speak to you?
1: Um, When you're working full time, as many writers know, it's very difficult to really concentrate on writing. Uh, I, I could not have written full-time while I was working in radio, especially not when I was interviewing authors, because when you're reading that many books, uh, the other people's work seeps into the back of your brain, and you don't want to copy somebody else's style. Um, so when I stopped working at SiriusXM, I had some time to myself. Um, they gave me a lovely severance, and I'm pretty grateful, and I came home from being fired, and I said to my husband, well, I, you know, I'm going to go be a barista now, and he said, no, because first of all, you're not qualified to do that. And second of all, you need to start writing your books because that's, that's your dream. That's what you really wanted to do. So I'm very lucky and very grateful that my husband is subsidizing my writing for the time being. Hopefully you know I'll be making that JK Rowling theme park money eventually and I'll be able to repay the favor. Uh, but I started thinking and I wanted to write a fantasy because that's my, my, my what I grew up living in. That's the world I wanted to be in. And I started thinking about characters and then to my great surprise, The characters started speaking to each other. They don't really speak to me. They speak to each other. Now, when I was interviewing authors, a lot of them would say, and then this character said this or did that. And I was like, you know, that's cute, but I don't believe that's really what happens. (laughs) Well, I'll be darned if that is not exactly what happens. So instead of sleeping many nights, I I listened and I listened to their conversations. And then in the morning, I desperately try to remember and transcribe what they told me. And I don't know how it happens or how it works, but I'm just glad it does.
0: <laughs> you know, if you hadn't have brought it up, I was going to mention it, that you had thought, what the heck <laughs> about other authors? That's one yeah. reason why I brought it up, because I found that interesting that you had that turnaround time that you were like, hey, that actually does happen.
1: It really does. The, the times that it happens is when I'm getting ready to fall asleep or when I've taken a yoga class. And at the very end of the class, you do shavasana where you just lay there and, and relax and I really think it's it's when you're in that in-between awake and asleep or totally worn out and your your front brain, your busy monkey brain relaxes a little bit and it allows that creative energy to uh, move to the front where it has a little room to breathe. I, I'm, I'm just guessing, but that's what it feels like to me.
0: I find when I'm really into the writing, it hits me in the shower and then I'll start speaking the lines that I'm thinking that I'm going to write. I'll just say them <laughs> to myself, you know, try and then I'll you do Go ahead
1: so you don't forget them
0: yes and then i just repeat it and repeat it until i can get to my phone and i'll text myself (laughs) so i have a little note or something that i know to put into the books
1: you have 400 notebooks with like scribbling in them like everybody else
0: (laughs) yes oh my gosh it's so bad
1: and then the next challenge is reading my own handwriting of course oh
0: yeah my husband uh, he's actually in the room. Um, always says my handwriting it's horrendous. So <laughs> I feel you, I feel you at the time. I understand what I'm writing, but then later sure. on, it's a little bit, wow. So with your characters manifesting, um, within your mind, let's talk creative, creativity of the story okay. themselves. Tell me how a typical story comes about for you.
1: Um, it's, it's like a puzzle and I, I, I feel like sometimes i almost leave a trail of breadcrumbs for my future writer self because sometimes i'll be like and the, and i'll be working on a scene and it'll be like and that character is wearing a blue hat uh, why why is that so important no no i will say to myself the blue hat is absolutely vital I'll be, all right i guess <laughs> and then like a chapter or two chapters or two books later i'll understand why it was so important that that character is wearing that specific blue hat Again, it's one of the mysteries of, of creativity. Um, it, fortunately, it's all, not all that sort of vague. Um, I'm not a good outliner. I'm a little bit more of a pantser. I usually know the general direction I want to go in, but I let the characters lead me. I'm, I'm much more of a, uh, a character-driven writer than a plot-driven writer. I find plot the most difficult. Uh, I wish I could just write little vignettes of characters standing around talking to each other. But unfortunately, that's not the <laughs> way that fiction works. <laughs>
0: um, I I find that very interesting. Um, when I first started when writing. When I first started writing. Oh, I'm getting an echo. Hold on. I'm sorry. Um, I, I used to think that um, people had all their stuff together, you know, that mm-hmm. they had it all outlined and everything. And I was just this weird duck who doesn't. And I have noticed since I started doing this podcast, I've gotten more like myself, like you're like you're saying, um, that aren't much of the outliners. Now, I outline as I go. Do you find yourself doing that? So you have a, a file of notes that you've actually created for the characters as each story has progressed.
1: Yeah, I usually end up doing that. Around I, I've been writing series. Um, okay. This is my second series. And finally, when things get just too complicated, I have to, all right, I'm going to stop. And this week or this two-week period is going to be about where's who is where, who is doing what to whom, where are they in the in the timeline, timelines, oh my God, my timelines are a nightmare come to life, <laughs> uh, and doing like the serial killer wall with the string on it and everything. But I usually I'm a little bit into the story because I like to see how things are going to shake out before I start really giving everybody a roadmap. Right. I like it the, at least the beginning, I like it to be a little more organic. And then I sort of have no choice but to get organized about halfway through.
0: I, I'll tell you what, what I find the most um, entertaining for myself is when you get that idea and it's an afterthought after you've already written it. Okay. <laughs> so now, <laughs> now you have to, and I know this sounds stupid and so off the world, but I enjoy going back and rewriting myself like fixing it and tweaking it and uh-huh. making it to fit that little bit. That I was like, Oh, why didn't I think about this five chapters ago? <laughs> but it isn't. Hopefully not
1: after it's published. No.
0: Heavens no. No. Heavens no. <laughs> that would be a nightmare. I really
1: like editing. I mean, I know a lot of people are allergic to editing, but I like to think of it as uh, like a Christmas tree. Like the, the first draft is just the tree. And the editing is putting the lights and the ornaments and everything on it and making it beautiful and perfect.
0: Yeah. Now, now I see you had me up until there. <laughs> I, my, um, my executive assistant does my editing and then she hands it off and then I'll go back. And, oh my gosh, is this the worst time of my whole dime than when I do that part? I'm like, oh no, not this again. So I, yeah, want... I mean, it's,
1: it can be daunting for sure. If you get lots and lots and lots of notes. Uh, but my editor, her name is Carly, uh, and she's with Booklight Editorial, and she's fantastic. And she she keeps me honest. She can I, I know when I'm being a lazy writer. I'm like, nope, Carly's gonna call me on this. I better you know I better fix this before it even gets to her.
0: <laughs> I'm hoping as the time goes by that my assistant just knows me so well she rewrites it, publishes it. <laughs> I don't have anything to do. <laughs> It's uh, a dream. Yes. That sounds it sounds like a dream. It really is. I like to dream big. Um, <laughs> so I want to ask you about a statement. Um, explain okay. to me what handcuffed by the rules of writers means to you and why.
1: Handcuffed by the rules of You know, before I started writing, uh, there was a meme that was going around about how, was it Elmer Leonard or somebody, never start by talking about the weather, never start with a dream, uh, you know. And I don't know the, the billions of grammar rules about prepositions and whatnot. <clears throat> and I, I think you have to know the rules certainly, and then you can start to dismantle them and make them work for you. <clears throat> I mean, the grammar has to be right, but if you're characters are speaking in dialect, you can you can know you can rearrange it to suit yourself. Uh, never, there are no nevers. I don't think in fiction. Ne- like never start with the weather sometimes you know it's a nice day you start with the weather (laughs) the things there are things that i do agree with though like characters describing themselves in the mirror is you know that's kind of been done to death so there are some that i agree probably shouldn't be handcuffs but maybe should be like the little white bumps on the side of the road so you don't (laughs) go off into the ditch
0: right i got you i got you so i hear that you call yourself a lazy writer um, and I believe the reference refers to the time of the day that you write. Can you explain a little bit about that?
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm just not a morning person. I mean, I know people get up at four o'clock in the morning and write before the kids go to school. And man, hats off to those people because I roll out of bed at nine o'clock and that's when my day begins. I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't work for more than maybe four hours. Um, <laughs> I, I just can't. I mean, there's diminishing returns at that point. Um, but, yes, I'm not only a lazy writer, but I'm an extremely lazy person. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: well, we just adopted puppies, and I, mm-hmm. I, I'm now I'm seeing 7 and 8 o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, wow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I have a, We have about a year-old Siamese cat named Frida, who I think... Yep, she's on top of a cabinet. She's in a place where a cat shouldn't be. So, yeah, but there was, we had many months of her getting us up at 4 o'clock in the morning.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yes. I have a Siamese as well. Her name is oh. Samson. But that's a whole other story.
1: They're little, they're little lunatics. I mean, I love her, but, yeah.
0: Yeah. She's ha- of bed. They the have morning. a personality themselves. Cats in they general. Sure do. So, um... Let's spend a moment to speak about the new world magic. I'd like yes. for you to tell our listeners about the series itself before you tell us about the latest book, if you wouldn't mind. Okay.
1: I'd love to. Um, we got a, a uh, assignment. I was, I was part of a writer's group uh, a couple of years ago. And the leader of the group said, I want you all to rewrite a fairy tale uh, because we were trying to think of something that we could do collectively. And, I think maybe one or two of the other women in the group did that, but I thought about it and thought about it, and I had just finished an epic fantasy series that was very long, had many, many characters. The books are really long, and that was a four-book series. And I wanted to just write something that was contemporary, short, possibly in the first person, and with a much smaller list of characters just to see if I could do it. And I cast around and started to think about, well, what I don't want to write about something that's been written about a million times. I have a print of the unicorn in captivity over my desk. I got it when I was maybe 10 years old from the Metropolitan Museum in New York. And I've always loved it. It's I'm looking at it right now. And I thought, well, has anybody ever done a unicorn shifter? Maybe, you know, it doesn't have to be a fairy tale. Maybe it can be a fairy tale creature. And I started working on it and started thinking about it. And I wanted to write a story about a world. I wanted to set it in Washington, D.C., my hometown, because D.C. is very rarely seen unless it's a thriller and there's politicians and, you know, politics and stuff. So I wanted to make it DC the fantasy setting. And my heroine is named Ruby. She's a bartender. She's got a dark past and big secrets. And that's not a spoiler because it practically happens on the first page. She's coming home from her shift one night and she saves the life of a unicorn. Somebody's trying to saw his horn off and she saves him. And he turns into a, a person because otherwise it would not be much of a book. Right. Uh, so he turns into a, a beautiful young man named March, and March and Ruby are the main characters of the book. It's a little bit uh, like True Blood, where the fairy tale characters are uh, living side by side, although sort of in the shadows of the human community, and that's the premise of the book. So March and Ruby are on the run from whatever was trying to kill the unicorn to begin with, and they've, they're aided and abetted by her friends and his friends, and some of them are good, and some of them are not, and some of them are human, and most of them are not. And uh, there's a second book in the series called The March Effect. And the third book, which is called The Great Shatter, comes out January 25th.
0: Awesome. I think The March Effect is one that we put on our um, promo for your book, for you, for coming on. Um, So The Great Shatter is what's coming out on the 25th. So we're, we're zooming up on that five more days. Um. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's
1: fine. Everything's fine.
0: <laughs> so so tell me what you have planned as far as a release for The Great Shatter.
1: Well, you know, we're living in a, a time where you can't do a lot of stuff in person. Right. So I'm trying to get the book out. We, I think we got the book out to quite a few uh, book bloggers. So hopefully they're going to see some reviews. Um, I'm going to be on uh, Drunk Mythology Gals podcast next week. Uh, talking about the book and uh, hopefully a couple of other podcasts. And, uh, you yeah, know, basically, if I could, I'd be going door to door, knocking on doors and handing out <laughs> copies. But, right.
0: So, yeah. Oh, I feel you. I feel you. This whole uh, situation our world is in right now, just it, it's crimping our styles. <laughs> it
1: really is. Uh, I managed to, in a break in the action, they actually had the Maryland the Maryland Renaissance Festival in October. They had it all fall, but uh, I went to sign books in October in person. And, man, it was so nice to see somebody I'm not related to in person.
0: (laughs) Yes, I understand that. Um, So since we talked about what's coming and what you have out currently, I want to jump back just a tad and linger Mm -hmm. on The Demon Door, an earlier series, but well well worth mentioning. Mentioning, sorry, my pronunciation. Oh, thank you. Um, Tell us about the series and if any more will come. Or will we get a spinoff of the series?
1: Um, you know, that book, that was that was my first series. For some reason, I thought my very first book should have two timelines on two worlds, 40 named characters, and be very, it was a very complicated, very complicated series. Like I said, a lot of moving parts. And it nearly killed me. Uh, but I'm very, very proud of it. The, the The name of the series is The Demon Door. And uh, it's an epic fantasy series along the lines of Dune or Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also got, a, uh, I think, a really lovely romance at its heart. Uh, it's got a lot of politics, which I love writing about politics. And I did a lot of world building, which I also love. Um, as far as any more of the books, I, when I finished the last one, The River King, I was like, no, <laughs> no. Not even uh, a I miss not those characters. Not I even a them, spinoff? And I'm kind of wondering what they're up to.
0: Not even a spinoff. So,
1: you never know. I, I'm very hard at work on uh, New World Magic. I'm uh-huh. in the middle of yeah. the next book, uh, book four, I guess it'll be in this series, and blocking out even book five and beyond. This is right. going to be more of a long-running series. But, hey, you ne- never say never. I do love those characters desperately, and I'm uh, wondering what Rune and uh, Lelit and all of their friends are up to as well.
0: Yeah, they so, only... yeah My mind my, my, my
1: <laughs> thought about that.
0: The only thing that ever gets me is when I'm into something, like a series or whatever, and i'm always like i want more you know um yeah. Yeah. it kills me to have to move on to another series in fact when i start to buy a series i'm like okay does this not mind you i don't have this many books in any of my series so i'm like a <laughs> hypocrite here but i love to buy ones that i know are going to have just a lot like 12 14 books you know what i mean i'm like mm-hmm. so i can mm-hmm. just keep it going as much as i can I know
1: Absolutely. If you if you like the world and you love the characters, you want to you want to just soak in it. You want to spend time there, right. and that's what I love about writing fantasy. It can be so incredibly immersive when you're doing world building. Oh, I mean, I yes. love writing about food and clothes and manners. I'm, I'm not interested in writing about battles. Uh, that's not that's not the kind of stuff I write. I want to write about politics and uh, fashion and what hand do you eat with? And you know, I love I love that kind of stuff. Wow. The, the stuff that builds the, that world around you. Yeah. Reading.
0: You'd be fun to work with. I think. I really do. Um, I've never written
1: with anybody, but I so I can't speak to that. But <laughs> you never know.
0: I, I could see you working with some. I think you have some very strong points. I mean, just just hearing it from comparing it to myself, I'm like, wow, I'm weak in that. I'm weak in that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think you'd be fun to ha- to actually have a partner with. Um. My final question for you, um, mm-hmm. since we're just in the midst of the new year, tell me what's coming for you. I know you said you have a fourth book, um, yep. events, um, private stuff. I don't know things you could, are worth publicly announcing. Tell me what's coming on this this new year for you.
1: God, you know, I wish there was more stuff. Um, I was supposed to sign uh, at an event at National Harbor here in DC in March, and it got pushed back to October of next year. Um, I'm going to be hopefully knock my desk at the Maryland Renaissance Festival coming in this fall. Um, I do have book, the book coming out in in next week on the 25th. Um, the following book, if I can sidetrack for a second, the following book, which is book number four, I wrote completely and I gave it to my editor and she said, there's a book missing. You need there's a book missing between books two and, and three, three needs to be four. You need to write book three. So I went back and wrote book four. So now I'm like sort of retrofitting what is turning out to actually be book four and trying not to think about book five, which is also on my mind quite a, quite a bit. So I think it's going to be a lot of work this year, um, getting out of the house whenever I can. <laughs> and, uh, we were hoping to go to uh, possibly Portugal or Greece over the summer, um, knocking wood again that that'll happen. Mm. You know, like everybody else, we're trying to make it happen. Right. day. To day.
0: Okay, before I let you go, because you just brought up an interesting point when you were saying, and I just want to clarify, um, you have three books in uh, your series right now that you have out. That's right. And mm-hmm. But you said book three was technically supposed to be, well, wait, wait a minute, book four was technically supposed to be book three, but you did book three because your editor felt like you needed another book?
1: Yes, that's correct. Nice. Said, there's, there's There's a gap. There's what what book three turned out to be, The Great Shatter, which will be coming out next week, uh-huh. follows uh, Ruby's best friend on her adventures. So it's sort of a side quest, if you will. Um, but it's made my understanding of the world and the characters so much deeper and so much greater that the actual book four is going to be tremendously helped by going right back and spending time with them in, in book three. So I'm not sorry I did. I'm very glad I did. And I'm very proud oh, of this nice. book. It was it was it was a hard going because I didn't know the characters as well. Right. You know, when you're starting right. to write something, you know your main characters, hopefully very, very well. And I was kind of getting to know some new people. And now I know them really, really well and I love them too. So
0: well, I find that yeah. interesting. So basically book three really opens up your mind and gives you a little bit more insight about what's to come. Yes?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Well
0: I it, think it. I thank you so much for being on the program. You were very entertaining. And XM just doesn't know what they're missing. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Thank you for saying that. You're
0: welcome. (laughs) Uh, Thank you again, everyone, for coming in tonight and being a part of the program. Please stay tuned to next Thursday when, let me scroll down here to the screen, we have Amy Shea on the program. Thank you again, everybody. Have a great evening. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye for now.